Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million and beyond by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To go to 40strategy.com to learn more. Well, before starting off and talking about our guest today, I'd like to give a shout out to Mark S. Lewis. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing his book, Give a Damn. He is the author of that and The Ticket to Cultural Change. And a pre, he's a previous guest also on the Measure Success podcast. Mark is a recommended, our current guest today. So thank you so much, Mark, for doing that, which leads us to our guest, Dan Ducati. He is the CEO of Ingenuity Global. He is also, he's had some, a couple of fun stories I hope we'll share about being a shareholder for Green Bay and also an actual Kentucky Derby 2020 owner, which is pretty cool. So he'll talk about those two pieces. He's an EOS visionary and integrator. He's part of EO, which is an entrepreneur's organization, and as well as a part of the American Academy of Entrepreneurs. Dan, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. I look forward to our discussion today. Well, let's kick off with, tell us a little bit more about your current company, Ingenuity Global. Great. Yeah, Ingenuity, we started or founded the company myself and two business partners, in February of 2018, primarily as a process automation and controls company in the Gulf Coast area. We, we based the company or we formed it based on relationships. We had been in this world for, for quite a few years. I've been in the industrial sales world for 35 plus years and my business partners had a long, long history also, as long as mine or longer. And we felt that if we could just get a piece of the businesses from relationships, that we could start something real special. So right now we are focused still, our biggest part of the company is process automation and controls. And then we have an electrical engineering division and a field services division specializes in power safety and again, automation and controls and instrument and electrical electrician services. So that kind of makes us who we are today. We're just started our fifth year in business. Wow. Wow. And, and tell us one of the things that really impressed upon me when we were talking is how much you have been growing over the past five years. So you started out with you and one other person, was it correct? Well, there was a total of four of us when we okay, began four. the company. And again, we just knew that if we got just a piece of the pie, we could be successful, a piece of the relationship pie that we had. So we started with four and now we're just south of 50 employees, five zero. So a lot of that growth has been and all organic, all within our own our own business structure. And it, it's been fascinating to, to enjoy the ride, but it's just given people exactly what they what they need and kind of doing it with some, what a great team. So. So that is not, by the way, first of all, congratulations on that. That is not easy to have that type of growth. And you've been a part of a lot of companies in the past where that's, you know, especially starting from scratch, if you may. And, and even though you had all this experience in your industry, doing it yourself is different. So. Oh, yeah. And you throw in COVID and we're heavy oil and gas. So in, in our second year of business, 
were hit with COVID and then the worst economic conditions that I've ever lived through. And then you go with negative oil prices, which were heavy oil and gas supportive industry. And it, it we were we built the company being fiscally strong, and we stayed that way. And that's what got us through there. You know, a good team and 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 being smart fiscally kind of got us through those again the worst economic times I've ever been through in my career. So, so you're talking about that being smart fiscally. What does that mean? It just means that, you know, they always talk about most companies fell in their first year and the few that succeed fell in their second year. Well, we knew that we couldn't do that. And, and we, we would naturally, every company says that, but we didn't want to go through that. So every decision we made and, and my business partner, his role, we, we pick at him because he, he doesn't come to the office much, but he owned an engineering company, environmental engineering company. And his main role is to make sure we don't do some of the mistakes that he did. So part of that is it's given us great advice on when to zig and when not to zag and and that's kept us good make us smart decisions not being greedy not being growing and when you're growing so fast it's kind of easy to make some mistakes if you want but we just had we we analyzed every one of them and made sure that we stayed course and did the right thing to position ourselves for that growth so just being fiscally strong not spending when we shouldn't and just doing the right thing for our customers to make sure we had long-term customers and not just a one-time buy so so what's interesting about this is you so it sounds like you're wise with your spending but you also were wise with the type of customers you join with so you as you said you had people who you were kind of have these long-term relationships all this investment that you go into there you you had mentioned because you you once again you have a sales you have an engineering but as well as a sales of this background right that you you have in your past and you, you said something kind of interesting when we were doing the prep call. You said, you know, uh, when you got started getting into sales, that was something that I think you said your dad didn't even want you to get into, right? Yeah, yeah he was embarrassed. He he was so defeated when I told him I was getting into sales and kind of getting away from what I was going to school for or college for. And he didn't get it because he did not like salespeople. He had, he had salespeople call him all the time and, and did not like that. And I kind of had to explain to him, and it probably took several years before he realized that what I did was a little different than the, than most of the salespeople that called on him. And it was the value of the customer and doing the right thing and helping them solve solutions. And I guess once he saw that, he saw the value of it. Unfortunately, he died many years ago before a lot of this has taken place. A lot of the good part of the, the reward of being in sales and having long-term customers. But I, I, he finally came to grips with what I did and, and then why I did what I was loving to do. So, yeah, that's so as you, you have this once again, the sales background. So how has that helped you out in growing this new business today? You know, what parts of that has enabled you to get new customers to, to grow, et cetera? Yeah, this is my sales. I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't understand real well in business, but one of them is sales. And I, and I've take pride in that because I've had probably two of the best mentors to to train and teach me that, that not just what sales was about, but how to use that strategically in building a business. And we look at so many metrics. It's, you know, it's easy to look at a PL and say, oh, well, this is how we did. And, and you're kind of living what happened is already happened. I want to dictate what happens before that. So we do that through our sales program where we monitor so many metrics that kind of ensure we're going to be successful. We know that if we do so many, uh, so many dollar in volumes, we have to do so many demonstrations and presentations and, and, 
quality customers and sales calls. So we go all the way back and we start monitoring the amount of quality, quality sales calls, face-to-face -face calls that we do, and then our quoting activity and all these different things that we look at on a weekly, daily, weekly, monthly basis. So we can predict that if our sales calls tank and go down, well, our guarantee or our quoting activity is going to go down and our closing activity is going to go down. So we can make sure that if our team is doing the initial calls, quality calls, that our flow is going to continue right. We're not going to have a dip in business. And once we manage that and get it accurate, then I can predict fairly close what our sales team is going to do deliver in, 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 re in business and in, in bookings, I guess you could say, every month. And that's a strong indicator because it helps us with our banking. I can go to our banking and say, here's our next 30, 60, 90 forecast, and it's going to be dead, dead accurate. And that just ensures us to how to manage the company. Because if we were thinking that we're going to expect X amount in revenue and we get half of that, well, how can you manage your business? So that initial sales strategy has helped us get a grasp on what we do and decisions we have to make for the upcoming sales cycle. So I, I, once again, myself coming from a numbers background, I love it how you have all these different metrics along the way, leading indicators you're, you're tracking and following to help have an impact in the outcome. One of the things that's interesting, I think is the hard part is the quality you discussed, right? So I, one of the things I've seen beforehand is there's this effort sometimes on a leading indicator of you need to get a certain amount of calls out, right? Or you need to get a certain amount of presentations out the door, but you've added in something which is called quality, like a quality call as an example. How do you know it's a quality call and how do you, how do you evaluate that? Well, we, we have a, our CRM that we use to monitor our calls. We, we have it weighted. Every opportunity is weighted. And that goes based on our, our cell cycle. And everybody's cell cycle is different. But we've divided it out into 10 steps. And we know as we go through those 10 steps, we get closer to the decision and closer to the closing opportunity. So we, we challenge ourselves team to be as accurate as they can. So when they make a call, it may be just, okay, we identified an opportunity and that might not be a quality call. But then the next thing is that, oh, we have we identified a key or a champion that's going to help us guide us through the cell cycle. And then it may be that, oh, we identified the, the absolute, the guy with the checkbook, with the, the final decision maker, or we closed a, a very, we found or provided a great technical solution for something they wanted to do. And when we get to those depths, then we know that it's a quality call. Then we know that we're to the meat of it and not just, oh, there's an opportunity. Somebody is building a, a $5 billion plant and we're going to get a piece of it. That's not, that's all maybe. But once we get and dig, dig into it, we know it is getting closer and closer to that end of the sell cycle for us. Got it. That's great. Yeah. It, and I appreciate you saying, once again, it wasn't a one call. It's, it's you have multiple steps that you've identified in the pipeline. And then through that, you get this more clarification of how it's growing or the accuracy of it. And that gives you to what you said, which is this forecast, right, of your business where you have a high degree of confidence of what's going to be happening up to 90 days ahead of time. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we look at even up to a year in advance, but we focus is, is the 30, 60, 90 window. The next 30, 60, 90 window is where we focus on. And we have metrics put into where if it's in a 30-day window of closing, it better meet these 
parameters. You better have this in place. You better know this answer. And then that way it kind of ensures that we're going to close it because I've had it in the past. I think every person in business has had an inaccurate sales funnel where they promise that they're going to deliver X amount of dollars in the funnel and it ends up being half of that. And what happened to all this business? But when you truly answer those questions, did you have all these answers in place? The answer is probably no. You're just going on speculation or my customer told me that. And then once you get a pulse, a feel what their cycle is to purchase something and you combine it with your closing sell cycle, it, it kind of gets it perfect. And then you weight it based on percentages, but you get it really, really accurate when you put all those in place. So after you get to the sales part, which is of course half the battle, then you have to deliver, right? You have to deliver great services of what you're actually providing. What type of numbers do you do? I'm assuming you have numbers on that side, right? So what type of metrics that you do on that side to make sure you're executing and doing what you said you were going to do when you sold somebody in the first place? Yeah. So we, one of the one of the things I guess that we struggled with a little bit when we were growing was project management. And still, I guess it's a, it's a key part of every success of projects going forward. And that's been a kind of a, a hiccup for us, but we've managed it extremely well for as much growth that we had. But there's things that we set up expectations with our customers beforehand. So we sit down with them and go through what are their true, what does success look like for them at the end of this project? And we get them to clearly define that, the scope work, everything, what a successful project looks like for them. And then through the implementation of that project or whatever services we're providing, we try to meet with them very very regular and make sure that we're delivering exactly what they were expecting. And then on the end, we get with them also and, and look, did we deliver that successful picture that was in their mind? And if the answer is yes, then we deem it successful. And we, and we do a lessons learned. What did we mess up on? Even And we want to hear those things because it's the only way we can challenge ourselves to be better. This team that we've assembled is some of the best I've ever seen in my 35 years of experience and all of them take that that pride in delivering a perfect project or a perfect service that we're delivering. So once you get a team bought into that, then they want to make sure that 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 vision that the client saw that was going to be his picture of success is met 100 percent. So people, right, always such an important part of any business, you know, you're going towards what are you doing to A, make sure you hire the right people and then B, keep them engaged throughout the process? Yeah, great question because uh, we've probably had a little stumbling. Again, we've, you know, we've had a lot of growth, but we've had a lot of issues in, in, in getting there. And part of that was we knew as a new company, we would have to come up with some very creative ways to retain employees and find them. Part of that relationship I told you about was not only relationships with the client, it was relationship with workers that were doing what we did. So they knew the quality of our character and what we wanted to do. So it was very easy for us to assemble a remarkable team of individuals to do that service work from relationships. Now to retain them, we had to put a very competitive benefits package together and come up with ways that really attracted them. Flexible work schedules, unlimited PTO. One of the things Mark would be very familiar in one of the meetings Mark Lewis and I had about unlimited PTO. This is some of the things that we had to do to really capture and retain some of these top people. And we're always looking for good people. 
We use referrals like every good sales professional should do when they're finding opportunities and new people. We use it to try to find new people that want to come join a team that has a lot going for it. We have a lot of exciting things that we want to do. And when you create a culture within your organization, and EOS taught us this, was how to develop that culture within your group that people were passionate about. When you develop that, it makes it a lot easier to, to keep people retain and attract new people. And is the, and the passion part of that, where does that, you know, where for your company specifically, right? You know, how are you creating that, that, that passion that people love and care what you do? Yeah. So this is a great thing. This is our story. This is what gives folks want to talk about because that passion drives you. I had a cousin tell me years ago that only 10% of the people like doing what they did for a living. And that kind of just blew me away. I could not imagine that because I've worked my whole career at, at doing things that I love doing. So I just couldn't imagine that there would be that many people working and not enjoying what they did. So we were, we had to, we wanted to make it a mission within our organization that we hired people that were passionate about what they did and gave them that avenue within our group to do things that we're passionate about. And if we gave them that opportunity, it would be almost infectious. Their clients would see that passion. Their coworkers would see the passion. Their family at home would see that passion. Everybody would see it and it just fuels a great working environment. Doesn't always work because sometimes you misplace people, but if you keep that as your focus and you develop that core culture within your group, and one of our five core values is heartfelt enthusiasm. When you have that in heartfelt enthusiasm, everybody feels it. I shared with you earlier that little story about we, we, there's a movie based on Dennis Quaid was in a movie called The Rookie and based on a true story by Jim Morris, who was a baseball player and as young was very, very talented and had the opportunity to go in the minor leagues. And he unfortunately got injured and he, he began teaching and coaching. And he later in life, he realized that his arm was very strong again and his kids challenged him to try out again for the minor leagues. He tried out, he, he was successful, but that's a very difficult life. It's bus rides all over, a lot of travel. And he had three kids at home and a wife, and he was starting to miss that life. And he was ready to hang it up. And he was mentoring a, a, a person on the team, a younger guy, and he was so full of energy. But I think he got to see that Jim was getting pulled down. He just was not, he didn't have that same fire anymore. So one night he had told his wife he was getting ready to hang it up and he was walking around the little town, whatever town he was in at the time. And he noticed this little baseball park where these kids were playing little league baseball and just having the time of their life, cutting up, joking, laughing, and it hit him what he was missing. So the next day he gets to the clubhouse and he tells the guy he was mentoring the, the young guy could tell he had a spring in his step. He was whistling. He was smiling. And he says, what's the matter with you today? And Jim tells him, you know what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. And it hit him that they get to play a game that people love playing. Well, we took that same attitude here and we call it, uh, you get to play baseball or you playing baseball with our group. We have our conference room named after baseball terms, the major and minor conference room. We have a dugout, which is our kitchen. We have this room. So everything is based around baseball. And we keep reinforcing that with a culture with our group 
are you playing baseball? And that's kind of, you know, not every day we get to play. Sometimes there's rainouts, but if, as long as you play in baseball, we know that we have a pretty good success and a, and a good culture that we're always pushing or, or stressing to our team. I, I, that is one of the, I, I love what you've done there with how you've created this concept of where at, at its core is about enjoying what you do right? Having fun, if you may, you know, and, and your core part. You've also done this by trying to put people in the right seats in the bus, right? Where they're going to be more successful based on their strengths, what they're more natural to do. But I also love how you've, you've put it to something that people can relate to, which is a movie, right? And, and, and you can have these concepts and ideas where you brought it to even naming brooms, the major minor. I love that. You know I mean? The dugout. I mean, I love it how you've actually put names to it to get it to be real. I just always, I love how you, you've, I think so, so often when we identify concepts, we don't, we don't bring it authentic to ourselves. You know, we, we, it's like, we try to copy it just directly from a book as an example, or, you know, we, we hear it from somebody on a podcast and go, oh, we're going to cut, but if somebody else tried to do a dugout major and minor, it wouldn't work. Right. You know, but, but, what does work is when it's authentic to that organization, right? You know, and it's going to be real. But anyways, I just love that story you have, how you're trying to keep people, your team relaxed and enjoying what they're doing on a regular basis. When I'm sure there's pressure, right? I mean, you're growing significantly. You have large customers that that want to get and they need to get done what they need to get done. So anyways, I applaud you for that. So how do you, in your business, just from a big picture perspective, how do you measure success? Oh, man, there's a lot of different ways you measure success. And, and I, I guess, first of all, and, and foremost, you have to be successful. You have to generate the projects and you have to generate the revenue to cover the expenses. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that. I think when you have when you can attract people that want to come to your team and, and you can improve their quality of life or give them opportunities that they couldn't have anywhere else. That's a big part of success to me. Eric, one of our business partners, stresses that all the time about he loves giving his team opportunities and see them succeed. And uh, every business unit manager that we have, I truly feel feels that same way. So to me, that's a big part of success too. And as we grow, we're going to generate opportunities for some people that put the faith in coming to work for us and we were rewarded by advancing their career further than they could have done anywhere else. I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you know, don't hire a bunch of smart, smart people and tell them what to do. Hire a bunch of smart, smart people and let them tell you what to do. So I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the, I, I didn't do this. This is not a Dan Cody thing. This is not a business, you know, our, our upper management deal. The company Ingenuity Global got built by a team of people that truly care what they're doing. To me, that's how you judge success. So when you have a bunch of people that buy into being to making this company successful, doing it the right way, not doing it the wrong way, not looking for a quick buy here or there. We're looking for long term employees and long term relationships with our client. And that's when you have success. So love it. I love it. And, and I'm kind of curious on that bottom part there. Do you actually measure that? Because you measure so many other things. Have you found a way to measure that? Well, you just uh, of course. I mean, we look at uh, we try to you know, look at retaining with employees, and and unfortunately, you can't retain all your employees. You're going to lose a few, and uh, that's that's part of the world we live in today. 
But what I like about it, and we were talking about this the other day, we we looked at the, through the people that we've lost, and, it, and some of them really hurt. But you kind of almost know that some of them it was it was a better situation for them. And I'll tell you a little bit about a book I read that it really stresses that. But 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 when we lose people, the, the best part or the thing that makes me so proud is that we probably have three people that we've lost, you know, in the last couple of years that were top people that I'd love to have them back. But where they went to, they've given us business back. They came right back to us and have given us unbelievable amounts of money and revenue business because they know the type of company we are. When you ask about how do you judge success, you can judge success sometimes by your failures, by losing top people, and they come back to you because they know what kind of work you're going to deliver for. I've never been prouder of a moment of our team than knowing that they kept those relationships strong and had people leave our company but still dump, and I'm not talking small amounts of money, big amounts of project money on us to help us keep growing. That's special. So That is, uh, you know, it is sometimes 100% retention isn't always the best. And what you just described there is something super interesting where another opportunity for them was was better for them in the long run, but it actually returned to you perhaps more than they could have provided you than within the company. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's pretty remarkable. And I think a great success story around that. So you have some fun things. Let's go to the personal side a little bit. You have some fun things that you do. And just for the sake of time, we can't talk about Fully the, the Green Bay Packers shareholder that you are, which you talked about, which is pretty cool. You have the Kentucky Derby ownership stake, but you found a way, it seems like, to have fun in your personal life as well. And, and so what type of habits do you do to keep yourself motored each day to come in and bring, it, bring your best? Great question, because there's so much negativity in this world today, and it's, it gets to everybody, and, and it's gotten to me, you know, at times of, you know, you, you hear the news, you watch, you read an article, you do this, and it's so much negativity, and and probably about four or five years ago, maybe even before we started the company, I was like, I can't dwell on the negativity. I have to dwell on the positive things. So it's a conditioned response, and I just came back from a, a, a it was part of the Louisiana Economic Development Council did some training at the Edward Lowe Foundation in Michigan. And part of it was about positive influence of positive intelligence. And they were telling that's a trained habit. Well, I've conditioned myself over the years that any situation, I'm going to think of the positive side. What is the good things about it? What is, and it's helped me so much or tremendous amount in business because in the past I could probably be a grumbly old guy, you know, but now I look at the positive things and how does that condition? I, I, I have to remind myself daily. I do a, a little write-up on my own social media pages called the positive news of the day. I have to do that because there's so much negativity. But if you focus on positive things, you're going to end up being a, having a positive disposition in life and you won't think of it. If something negative happens, you're going to realize, okay, that, that's a bad thing, but how can we grow? How, what's the best thing? What, what good can come of this? And it's a conditioned habit. And through the Everlow Foundation, there was a test that they gave and my positive score was through the roof. And it was like, okay, that doesn't just happen. How did you do it? Shared my story. And it says, yeah, this is it. There's trainings that you can do to make yourself being more positive on everything that you do in life. So that's one of the things that keeps me going. And that's something you could do, continue to do today on a regular basis? 
Oh, absolutely. If I don't, if I figure, if I fall off and I start listening to more news or listen, whatever that is, and it gets me a little down or you have a bad business day and look, we, we have them, everybody has them. Then I'll focus on something that's positive and let that pick me back up. And the next thing, you know, it, it, you're feeding off of it. So there's also people in the office that I know are positive all the time. And if I ever feel a little down, I'm going to go talk to those people. So I had a buddy of mine, Y Graves, tell me that you, you're an accumulation of the five people that you uh, surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself with negative people and people that are, don't have good character, then you're going to probably develop the, that mindset and be just like them. But if you're around people that are constantly influenced, you're a positive influence, then you're going to feel that way also. You're going you're to naturally become a sum of those people. So then I ask this, the question, so then how do you measure success in your personal life? Yeah, personal life, there's a lot of ways I do that too. And the main thing is, am I having fun? Am I playing baseball in every aspect of what I'm doing at home, at, at, at business, on the side thing with my friends? Is there a balance? And it's difficult too when you're growing a business and people look at it and they kind of say, oh, it's so easy. You got a bunch of people doing everything for you just to keep that life balance done. So I have to focus on that and don't always do a good job on it. But as long as in my mind to say, hey, focus on family, focus on friends, focus on business and focus on keeping that positive attitude. There's certain things that I measure that I know if I get to do all these things and then I'm successful at home. But main thing is that my family's happy and, and are not missing anything and and they truly feed off of my enthusiasm makes my day. That's my scorecard right there. That's awesome. Okay. This has been fantastic, Dan. I appreciate all the insights that you have provided to your audience. I think you have a great story. It's no surprise to me how you've growing and you've been growing and, and you can continue to grow in the future. So I just love, love, once again, love the story behind what you have. What is a book that you recommend for our audience? I mentioned earlier about finding out what your team likes. There's a book, <clears throat> I think it was written by Matthew Kelly called The Dream Manager. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, for a guy like me, it was a complete different way of looking at how to get people to achieve their dreams and see their dreams and, and let them are allowed to dream. <clears throat> and when you have people dreaming like that, your, it's, your retainage is going to be through the roof. So I just, I just read it. It was given to me by a, a co-worker, one of my account managers in the sales division. He gave it to me. I thought it was fascinating. I want to implement it somehow. I don't know how to do that, but I want to implement it because I think that's the missing piece that we have for retainage and helping our people. Because again, Dan Decody didn't build Ingenuity. I have 50 some odd people that built this company to be successful. And we have to find as a management group, have to find a way to give back and let them dream, let their dreams become real. And some people, like I mentioned, some people are going to leave their dream. They're destined to own their own business or do something that is so special out there. And we may just be in a position to get them there. And the dream manager opened my eyes to that and realized that, that I have to help people achieve their dreams. And we're going to keep a lot of people that way. And we're going to lose a few, but it's a good thing if we do that too for them. So. Well, I, I will follow up with a contact after this because I somebody know who's who's helping organizations figure that out.
So like Scott Ballard is, is he helps out with like a dream manager type program. And it's a brilliant, I love, I love that book. It's one of the favorites I have because it does really change your perspective as a manager. You know, often we, we, unfortunately we're thinking about what's in it for me, right? That I'm trying to get execution and I'm paying you to do it. And what it misses and when you start truly understanding what the employee wants, that's where real value starts getting created. And, and you start seeing some synergies and, and that you would never expect to see, right? Because you're, you're actually listening to them often for the first time. What I mean is their true desires, right? Yeah, the true totally. values, what they have, which is so different than just, oh, I want to complete a project, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, they want to play baseball too, right? If you may, and, and their personal life and, and, and the, the dreams that they have. So um so thank you so much for being a guest, Dan, on the Measures podcast. I think this was very meaningful and it'll be very, very educational for those who've been on it. How can people learn more about you and your company? Yeah, well, uh, Ingenuity is spelled a little different. You know, it's E-N-G-I and it's a play on engineering. So ingenuityglobal.com or ingglow, E-N-G-L-O.com. Dan Dakota, you can find me on LinkedIn. So that, that's the best way or, or just pick up the phone and call us. There are our phone numbers and then Ingenuity, I have a direct line that people can call and reach my uh, reach me directly. So I don't know if you can give cell phone numbers. I don't mind giving cell phone numbers. Yeah, well, if you feel free, if you, if you want, want to, and we'll yeah. put it on the website that as well. So, so yeah, people, my yeah. cell phone number is 225-614-0016. 225-614-0016. I love helping people maybe look at things a little different way. So yeah, Dan, I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing and, and I appreciate you being on the Measure Success podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on to share my story. So. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, we appreciate your continued all your feedback and listening to our show on a consistent basis. With that, to all of you, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.